0: Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about
1: songs. God bless and keep you, everyone. And welcome to episode 42 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your host, Mark Blankenship. And with me, as always, is your other host, the blessed and expansive Sarah D. Bunton. <laughs> well, you're half right. Hi, Mark hi uh sarah you have selected the song that we'll be discussing today so why don't you tell us about that
0: um i have and i'm not going to give it a whole lot of intro today we'll be talking a little bit about tim mcgraw's i've got friends that do uh this has been on our list or my list of songs that i'd like to talk about on mark and sarah talk about songs for quite a while
1: uh but Almost n- from the very first time we drafted a list. Yeah,
0: I think from the very first time we made a Google Doc, it was right on there. Um, because I have feelings about it that I'm not sure I can even articulate. So much is going to depend on you,
1: Mark. <laughs> um, you may not know what to articulate, but you've got friends that do. Yes, Or Hopefully. <laughs> I do have friends that do.
0: The friend I'm referring to in this case, of course, is not Mark, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> and on that note, let's hear it with This is for the found
1: guilty who ain't out until he pays his debt to the state. Well, I'm in no position
0: to judge on. Just a little verse to remind me we all got somewhere to turn. And I may not know what it's like to send my only son to save the world and watch him die. Yeah, um, I'll get into how sort of like. Angered and repelled, I am by that super fake, cynical uh, voice break that he puts in at <laughs> somewhere to turn. Like, get, fuck off. <laughs> but first, I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, what you think of the song, if you turned up anything interesting or even more maddening in your research. And then I'm going to try to unpack. The seven suitcases of feelings that I have about this
1: tune. Mark, what you got? Well, well, Sarah, you're assuming that I don't like it. What if I told you that I was moved by it and found it to be an incredibly sincere and meaningful expression of humility and faith? (laughs) I would be surprised. Ah, well, I didn't. Um, (laughs) I am not surprised. Here's the thing. I would say that my primary response to this song is less anger than it is fatigue. (laughs) Like, Like, oh God, okay. And I did, in my research, turn up the fact that this song, which was released as a new single on Tim McGraw's second Greatest Hits album, although the song itself, I should say, I'm sorry, it was released as a new track, not a new single, it was never released as a single, but it was... Uh, a new song on his second greatest hits album it was co-written by Brad and Brett Warren a pair of brothers who are responsible for one of my favorite contemporary country songs of the last 10 years uh Martina McBride track called Wrong Baby Wrong
0: uh-huh
1: but then i looked more deeply into other things they've written and that is the extreme outlier <laughs> because they also wrote a song that Martina McBride recorded called Anyway which is a song about how, as the lyrics say, God is great, but sometimes life ain't good, but you gotta build your dreams anyway. And then they also co wrote this execrable Toby Keith song called oh. Red Solo Cup, which is just about getting drunk, drinking that out of thing? a Red Solo Cup. Yes.
0: Also it's Toby Keith. Like, have some fucking yeah. boundaries, please. Is Brad Warren the one who's on the um who's on the nationwide ads? Like, p- uh, like picking his git and being like, Nationwide is on my side.
1: Oh, you know what? That's, I don't know, but it would not surprise me. Let All me right, just please continue speaking
0: way. while I try to confirm that that is him.
1: All right, very good. So, I realized that in working with these particular songwriters, uh, Tim McGraw had actually signed himself up to work with some of the strongest champions of the empty signifiers of country music which i feel like we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. but one of the things that i really wanted to get into with this particular song is a close read of some of the lyrics that we hear in the selection that you chose if you'll go with me down this road
0: absolutely right here imagine
1: with you. imagine if you will that buncy I take have... the wheel <laughs>
0: continue Oh,
1: imagine, if you will, that I have a chalkboard and some chalk and that we're diagramming a sentence. So, okay. I understand in the large scheme of things that this song is intended probably to inspire people who have felt that their lives have taken a wrong turn. It's meant to be a demonstration of fellow feeling, of shared brotherhood in the non gendered sense. A way of saying that, hey, we all screw up, but we're all still united. I think country music sometimes can really say things like that uh-huh. and say it successfully. Sure. Um, but then you get songs like this where it does, as you say, sound start to sound really cynical because it's so awkward in its execution that you start to feel like, well, maybe we're just hearing slogans without any meaning behind them. Case in point... Uh, you you started us with the, the lyrics, and this is for the found guilty, who ain't getting out until he pays his debt to the state. I'm in no position to judge him. Heaven knows it could have been me. Well, here's the thing about that. <laughs> I feel like that there is an inherent judgment inside the way this lyric is written. I completely because... agree. That yeah. deeply
0: condescending. Yes, deeply... like deeply condescending and also trying to get cred from the struggles of lower middle-class people
1: who are not, you know, writing this in
0: one of their six Nashville area mansions.
1: Exactly. I, I feel like this, this lyric wants to have it both ways where he's trying to say that he's on the side of the prisoner, but when he's, he says he's not getting out until he's paid his debt to the state, he's saying to the people outside of prison that prison is good and this this man will be better when he serves his time, and it there is like you said, it's sort of a condescending school marmy attitude where you it's like you cross your arms and you tisk your tongue, but then you smile and nod at the same time. If you know what I'm saying, that mm-hmm. sort of like, well, you've done bad, but you rascal, we've all done bad, and you'll grow from this experience. And I just feel like. I know that for some people, some people going to prison does give them an opportunity to turn their lives around, but let's not maybe close our eyes to the way that prison works in the United States. Like, yeah. hello. And I Can I really just, don't uh... feel,
0: and I don't wish to impute,
1: like there is a little
0: bit of like jail-splaining happening here <laughs> that I suspect, <laughs> if <laughs> uh, Mr. McGraw were honest with himself, um, is not including the experiences of the vast majority of prisoners in this country or interfacers with the legal system who are people of color. Like, I think he's thinking of a specific Caucasian-American, Travis, who's locked up on his fifth DUI.
1: Uh, You're exactly—he is literally—I had the same thought. He is literally only thinking— of good old boys who occasionally get picked up because, like you said, they're drinking. Or I thought maybe somebody has a meth lab. And yeah. Or prison selling, supposed to turn them selling
0: away. their mamas Vicodin.
1: Well, and here's the thing: that scourge is real and yeah. horrifying. And but here's the other thing: when Tim McGraw says, "Heaven knows it could have been me," no boo boo, it couldn't have been because you're super. You're a super famous country star who was in that fucking movie, The Blind Side. You are now oh. exempt from prison. And I've, one of the things I hate the most... Okay, before I was fatigued. Now I'm getting worked up. <laughs> one of the things that I hate the most is empty attempts by popular musicians to say that they're just like everyone else. It's it, It's so full of shit. And I completely respect the fact that it's difficult to walk the line. Because on one hand, you As don't want to become... Ex- ah, because
0: Johnny Cash had that cred for real. Because like, he had he been could to could go prison. into Folsom Prison and say,
1: tell people some shit about some shit because he knew it his, firsthand. His ass had been to prison. But I feel like you don't you, you don't want to become the kind of celebrity musician who is only singing about how hard it is to be famous. But if you're going to become a celebrity musician who tries to sing for the people, don't lean so hard on saying, I'm just like you. There's a difference between saying... I can empathize or I perhaps can imagine or understand than than saying, I'm just like you. It's sort of going back to the Jason Isbell conversation that we had. He is able to construct portraits of empathy without condescending and saying, ah, hey buddy, I'm just like you because no, you're not. And, I just, again, it's a very difficult line to walk, and I realize that I'm probably being hypercritical about this, but it drives me crazy. And situations like this are why. Because then it becomes, like you said, really cheap. It's like it's like when Hot Topic is selling a CBGB t-shirt. You're just yeah. commodi- you're commodifying someone's actual messed up pain in an attempt to get them to pay you money on behalf of it. it, it yeah. So-
0: like, via a punk club, which, like, a pop-up store in a mall is against everything that everything that, that is. And right on top of that, like, I referred up top to the sort of choky, um, that cho- fake choky moment, which did feel very, it did feel very ersatz to me. Yes. Um, I didn't buy it at all. And the lyrics well let me back up i first heard the song if i'm not mistaken on american idol i forget who uh assayed it for that competition but that is one of those songs that it was like i would have been better off sticking with the like american idol itunes download yes instead of finding the original because here's the thing about this song and as you mentioned we have spoken many times about like um construction concerns that are particular to country music um and i think that yes you can tell you're being manipulated you resent being manipulated and yet the physical aural build of the song is extremely effective and cynically so like it starts out fairly plain spoken it's just him he's not auto-tune harmonizing with himself the way we hear in the later verses um but then like the second verse where he starts talking about um you know this is for the lost junkie like okay like just the term junkie like there's just he's trying to get to compassionate but he just doesn't quite he can't quite get there like he's still there's like a gap between him and any, like, felt understanding, at least lyrically. I don't know Tim McGraw's life. uh, Between him and any felt understanding of this experience, and just the fact that the title of the song is I've Got Friends That Do, it's sort of like trading on other people's, like, um, I don't know, grief cred? Or addiction cred? To be like, maybe you think I don't understand you, but I've got friends with your problems. Like, mm. first of all, just shut up and be a friend instead of this garbage time lyric that's like, oh, no, 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 I get you, man. Like, I, I fucking doubt it. But all right. And then and I'm not an observant Christian, but I am a Christian and I find it presumptuous in the extreme That he goes from patronizing uh, people with substance abuse problems, uh, people who are locked up, and people who are, like, I guess, lonely or, like, socially awkward, (laughs) I guess, is where we are in the first verse. Then we're into, like, troubles with drugs and the law in the second verse. And then he's like, well, I'm... I may not know what it's like to send my only son to save humanity and then have to watch him die fucking horribly. Like, crucifixion is, aside from being burned alive, pretty much the worst way to go, right? And then he's like, well, I may not know what that's like personally, but the subtext is, well, actually, I think I do. Like, he's equating himself with... well, and then,
1: so, let me...
0: God. And it's, it's like... Uh, pl- uh, let yeah, me quote directly please. From that I've lost verse. the power so of let speech. Let me back up Go a ahead. Bit
1: and say one thing. Yes, the way you said it is what I was trying to get at, which is that you acknowledge in the song that you have never been a junkie, you've never been to jail, but then you say, I totally know how you feel because I talked to a junkie one time. Guess what, Boo? I don't need your kind of help. And I just feel like that presumptuousness is so exhausting. It's exhausting. And... And
0: he is so pleased with himself by the time he gets to that last verse that we heard, like, between the power belting, the inappropriately bombastic
1: drumline. And it's basically... just like, who are you? And it's basically like, let me now sing a song for a... And so that I and all of my listeners who have not experienced these things, so that we can all reward ourselves for our quote-unquote compassion... Because basically, this is a way of him saying, well, he says right there in the lyrics, I'm not judging you, therefore, aren't I great? It's it's so... It, it's like I didn't actually understand how condescending this song was until we started to talk about it. And now it blooms in front of me like a dark flower. That to sit here and sing about yourself and to imply that you are really wise and deep and kind and empathetic because you've decided not to judge someone who messed up? F you, dude. You know what? I've got friends who don't judge me like yeah. that. So I don't you, you can go ahead and back on off me. And of course now I'm thinking about the fact that he was the dad in the movie The Blind Side, which is a movie about white people who feel great about themselves because they choose not not to hate and belittle a black kid. Yes. Like Congratulations. You did what you were supposed to do, which is not to judge and belittle someone. Ooh, ooh, exactly. That's also another thing that's making me mad. Like, c- congratulations, you didn't judge somebody. You weren't supposed to. It's like that Chris Rock joke about who he's like, people will say, I take care of my kids. Well, you're supposed to take care of your kids. Exactly. Now, to get to, to get to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Unless you have more to say now, because I've rambled on a bit.
0: I uh, Yeah. No, I really don't. It's just very, like... It's utterly pleased with itself for basically, um, yes, othering everyone, yeah, except himself and like Faith. Hill, well, I guess I don't maybe he's othering her too. No, oh, women are also aren't in this at all, basically. Um, so yeah, like anyone who is you know weak enough to have become addicted to drugs, um dumb enough to have gotten their asses locked up without being able to afford a good lawyer, um, and doesn't use those opportunities, quote-unquote, to get right with Jesus, is being condescended to, and, yeah, othered, like, whatever, not to be a pinko about it, but it's just, like, the more times you listen to it, and the sad thing is, like, it's actually a pretty good, like, melody line, but what he chose to do with it, like, I just resent... I resent that I know every word, including all the little, like, crappy by-numbers guitar bits. And I can slay this at karaoke. It's right in my range. Right. And yet I can't, because I don't want to be associated with it. Well, Back okay, then, Jesus, taking all Mark of those
1: language. points, correct? they are correct. Then, when we get to the bridge, he says, this is for yours truly. Just a little reverse to remind me we've all got somewhere to turn. Now, this is so extra extra unctuous in that oily way that the word unctuous implies, because he's saying here, "Mm, I'm going to show them that I'm humble. I'm going to remember myself too. I'm going to point the finger back at me, even though he hasn't really acknowledged having any problems. Then, like you said, he relates himself to, to God. And he says, I may not know what it's like to send my only (laughs) son to save the world and watch him die. And I may not know how it feels to hang there on the cross to prove that love is real. But I got friends that do friends plural which friends are you talking about if you said i've got i've got a friend that does then maybe he would be talking about god is he talking about the holy trinity are you are you and i know that we're supposed to say what a friend we have in jesus but i find it just just dramaturgically infuriating that he's that the the songwriters and he's not one of the songwriters here but still that the songwriters he chose to work with were so intent on doing that classic country thing where you repeat the fi- you repeat your hook line and have it mean a slightly different meaning at the end they were so intent on that gimmick that they that they eliminated all yeah. sense you have to bend yourself into a pretzel yes. to even understand what this is you just know vaguely that it's about Jesus and so i guess you're just supposed to clap and not think too hard about how the the logic completely falls apart Ugh.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i guess maybe this is the scene on the beach when there was only one set of footprints that was when yeah the i, I it, uh, also like, I, I, don't I don't know,
1: know. it I actually let me back up because what he's saying here is i don't know how it feels to send my only son to save the world but i've got friends that do well, even in that construction, you can only mean God because Jesus didn't have a son that he sent to the cross. So it's actually... Yeah, is this some kind of like... It doesn't scan. <laughs> is this
0: some kind of like fringe timeline where it happened in a bunch yeah. of different parallel seriously. universes at the same time and you're friends with all those well, gods?
1: and then yeah, I, but, but seriously, that's the only thing it could possibly be is a rip of the <laughs> space-time continuum. And actually, if that is what this song is about, I stand corrected, I'm interested, tell me more... Because I want to know which pantheistic universe Tim McGraw is singing about.
0: Yes, at the center of which it's like the end of It, where there's like a tr- <laughs> big turtle floating in space. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that we agree. Uh, I I can never like turn this song off if it comes up on shuffle because it is built extremely well. But then when you get up close to it and you understand what it was built for. And just that huge leap. Like, I understand the third verse country turn. I get it. Right. But Dolly Parton has done this with so much more elegance and, like, an understanding of her own context within the song or, like, strictly speaking, this is, like, pop gospel, but, like, look at Sam Cooke and singing a song which literally is, like, I am not going to touch the hem of his garment, and Tim McGraw's well, like, fuck that, I am the garments Like, no. <laughs> well for 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 the for
1: those who are of our listeners who are country music fans, Sarah, I don't know if you know a side of song called of in Love with the Boy. Yes, I do know that song. You the know, the final verse of the song completely the the story of that so- the line, she's the love of the boy, of the the daughter's mother the to the daughter's father. the 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 And it's this really beautiful literary gesture where you see the love that gets transferred from one generation to the next, and it's brilliant. And I just feel like if you can't get up to that level with your songwriting, this is what you get, where there's multiple gods and nobody cares about (laughs) uh, (laughs) sentence-subject-verb agreement. And and, and I just feel like, no. Johnny Cash is
0: twirling in his grave like a fucking chicken-fried propeller.
1: So, with that image, I will say, you and I are friends who don't.
0: <laughs> I am a seeker, a poor, sinful creature. There is no weaker than I am. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me! Today's theme song was written by David Gregory Byrne and you can dig more of his chili at davidgregorybyrne.com
1: If you'd like to place an ad, request a song, or arrange for Mark, me, to read your pop chart horoscope, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at talksongs@gmail.com. at gmail.com Tweet us at TalkSongs or hit up our Facebook page at Facebook facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And if you like the podcast, let us know.
0: Leave us a positive review on iTunes or the podcast download interface of your choosing. And please download the music you hear legally.
1: Yes. So until next time, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this. And this. Is Mark and Sarah. Is Mark and Sarah. Talk about Talk about songs. Talk about songs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You are my last hope, don't turn me away I am a seeker, a poor sinful creature There is no weaker than I am Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs, talk about